This is the Beyond the Profi podcast, the podcast that empowers you and inspires you to seek career excellence while pursuing your passion. And I'm your host, Jasmine Haley. This week, I'm excited to introduce you to Ellie Naderi. She serves as a senior vice president of dental hygiene operations for a DSO. And I was introduced to her from Mark Hartley, the editor at RDH Magazine and eVillage. And I'm so very happy and I feel very uh, privileged, as I do with all of my guests, to have the opportunity to meet with them. Although Ellie and I have not met in person, I felt that from the very beginning of our conversation, it was very fluid and very open, and I just appreciate the pearls that she shared in this episode. When I think about the responsibilities that she has, uh, which also includes the oversight of all operational management of 50 multi-specialty practices across three states, I automatically think of Rockstar and Powerhouse. And I love how she's able to share her journey from the very beginning, starting as a dental hygiene student, and how certain things within her path and certain choices that she made within her journey has led to creating such an impactful position that she has in a DSO working in business management and also taking into consideration the standard of excellence she has set in her clinical care and what she is bringing forward to mentor many other hygienists who have the opportunity to work with her. And so what I thought immediately of when I re-listened to this episode was a book that I just finished. It was actually recommended by many hygienists. Just recently, I was in a leadership group, a leadership group that was created by Kelly Tanner Williams. It the book that was recommended is called Leadership Challenge, and actually the ADHA president recommended it, and uh, her name is Tammy Filipiak. And also I, I saw that ADHA vice president Matt Crespin was reading it. Uh, I know that Ashley McCauley, who was a interviewee, mentioned that book again. I recalled that she recommended that book, and she's in Wisconsin. She's a wonderful leader there, and she's one of the interviewees of the Mom Genus podcast. And so I said, oh, you know what, let me go ahead and just read this book. It's 10 hours, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. 10 hours, but the key to reading any Audible book is making sure that you put it on on 1.5 speed. So I read the book. I finished it today, and I have to say I was very happy with this read. It really just brought out the aspect of really being an authentic person, really understanding what makes the people that you work with, what makes them tick, what motivates them, and how to set a fine example, how to connect and engage and create relationships. It's more than just managing. It's more than just saying, hey, this is what we have to do. And I heard that. I can hear that from Ellie. 
she mentioned so many different scenarios on what has pushed her in her career and then what she emphasizes to the hygienist that she works with. And I immediately thought of the three qualities that leadership challenge brings out that is needed for an exceptional leader. And one of them is strength. The second one is resiliency. And the third is grit. And I see all of that in Ellie's career. And you need that strength to keep focused on your mission and vision. And for Ellie, she holds true to her integrity and her values, and she never wavers in that. You need the resiliency to deal with situations that may be challenging. You may be in a situation that you have planned out things. You're taking a risk, and things don't work out as you plan. You don't give up. And in the case of Ellie, you can hear that she doesn't give up. It's like, how can we keep our values? How can we keep our integrity? How can we keep what what is most important to shape the future of our organization and also to shape the health outcomes that we want for our patient. And you can hear that passion within her voice. And then, of course, grit. No one who is just a hygienist, and I like to say just because that's a terminology we shouldn't use, no one that's just a hygienist will seek opportunities to advance themselves clinically uh, to work in sales and work with a pharmaceutical company, and then to move on to being in a leadership position as she is with the DSO. That takes grit, that takes tenacity, and that takes you really holding on to your vision of wanting to do wanting to do more. And you can have that by thinking beyond the profi in all that you do. So again, I just want to encourage you all that this podcast is meant for you to be able to meet these individuals. You may not have a chance to meet. It may not be easy for you to be able to get to these dental hygiene conferences and meet individuals like her, but they are readily available. They want you to connect. They want to be able to share and mentor mentor and actually look for opportunities. One of the things that Ellie brought out is that she would love for you to connect with her on LinkedIn. The link to connecting with her can be found in the description of this podcast episode. And she's also looking, there's opportunities in several states for for a position. So if you're looking for a position, if you're looking for a uh, company that embodies the values that are very important uh, and excellence and thinking beyond the profi, I would definitely reach out to Ellie and see what what uh, that relationship can bring forth for you, what you can offer her and what she may be able to offer you. Uh, it's really about making connections and networking and, and seeing where your journey leads, not being afraid, uh, having risk and taking taking the risk and, and making an impact. And so I thank Ellie again for being a part of this show. I thank you all for listening. If you feel that this episode is impactful, if you feel that it it motivates you and empowers you, I beg of you to please share this episode. You don't know who it may, might reach on what difference it can make in someone's life. And so make sure you share. We are now on Stitcher. Beyond the Profi Podcast can be found on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're going to be adding a new platform soon. So make sure that you subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts on this podcast. We we do this, myself and the guests who are willing to come onto the show, for you.
And this is all about serving you, giving you that momentum that you need or that motivation that you need to to make a, a difference in your career and in your life. So enjoy this episode and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Beyond the Profi podcast. I am very excited to have this special guest. I first want to thank Mark Hartley, who is the editor of the RDH magazine. And I like to thank him for putting me in connection with Ellie Nadari. I am so very excited. I feel like uh, this conversation is going to be a very good one, one of which that could really inspire you to see what else is out there in dental hygiene and especially when it comes to leadership. So I would like to extend a very warm welcome to Ellie Nadari. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jasmine. It's an honor and I'm very excited to speak to the broader group and just bring forward all the opportunities that I've been afforded to me to bring me to this point in my career and hopefully inspire somebody listening today as to what else they can do with their dental hygiene career moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I had the opportunity to talk with you briefly, I was on fire because I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just like, oh my gosh, all the amazing st- stuff that you've done in your career. But let's start with the basic, um, which is why did you choose dental hygiene? Well, the basic reason is because just like most of us, I had um, a bad dental experience as a child. Um, I had a need for a molar root canal at the age of seven. The tooth was just barely erupted. And, you know, I remember at that early age thinking that there has to be a better way to do this and somebody should have educated my parents better and so it really got me turned on to the idea of preventive care and um, while I was going to high school my sister actually ended up um, getting into dental school and even at that point even though I really liked the idea of helping others in dentistry I was thinking I might even go into business school but she really um, inspired me to go into dentistry and in the end it worked out for the best because I was able to render that preventive care to patients but I was also able to influence a bigger group of people and hygienists that we can talk about um, on tonight's um, interview that has really afforded me a even bigger further outreach to many many patients across the country. Wow so where so you okay so you you I mean that's that's fabulous most people when they have a negative experience they actually stay away from dentistry um, and it's wonderful how you turn that negative into a positive so that you can make a difference. So when you finished dental hygiene school what did you receive an associate's or bachelor's degree? I originally achieved an associate's degree from Cerritos College, but even going to dental hygiene school, I knew that there was something further that I wanted to do with my career. Um, Anytime I had an opportunity to speak to one of the reps that came into our program, I was always staying behind after class to chat with them to see how they further their career opportunity. So even at that point, I knew that I would go back to school at some point. I just didn't know what direction I would go or how that would unfold. Um, But I had a really awesome opportunity to do a table clinic as a dental hygiene student um, on chemotherapeutics and that just expanded my horizon and that's how I ended up transitioning from my clinical practice to um, the pharma side of dentistry and that in itself was a very awesome opportunity for me. One that afforded me to meet a lot of people and I think you know, one of the messages I want to put out there is if you have career um, aspirations for yourself, the best thing you can do is network, to show up to the association meetings, to go to trade shows, to just 
stop and ask people, what did you do? How did you get here? And how did you further yourself? Absolutely, absolutely. And I love the fact that you mentioned how your foundational education, which is the table clinics, actually inspired you. And um, one of the courses that I teach that I absolutely love is public health. And uh, for many years, I did the table clinic. And I would help the students. And what I loved about having that responsibility was challenging them to think outside of the box. Because they're so, they're so focused on clinical, 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 their clinical requirements, their competencies, getting the base knowledge that they need to pass the boards. But so many leave school and, or, and burn out within a few years. And it's so wonderful to hear you say how you were thinking outside of the box early on, which is what I'm hoping for for all clinicians, especially when they are um, dental hygiene students and they're first starting out, to see that the possibilities are limitless. I completely agree with you. You just never know what that next step can lead into. And for me, it led into a really awesome opportunity with a very reputable pharma company. So I'm very grateful for it. So with that opportunity with you with the pharma company, how, so that was basically you able to get that role from networking. So basically what happened is I fell in love with a product because just like any other clinician out there, when we're clinically sold and we clinically sell ourselves on a product, we're going to drive it in the practice. And, um, and basically my utilization of this product was so high that the rep came into the office and said, who, who, how many hygienists work here, first of all, and who are they? And, you know, my office manager's response was it's Ellie and, you know, she's here only a couple times a week and we don't have anybody else. And he was blown away as to how I was able to communicate the need for, um, this product to my patients and how readily I could move it off the shelf. And it all stemmed back from doing that research myself and being open-minded and clinically being sold on the product, mm-hmm. which then led them recruiting me to um, do some consulting for them so that I could basically share my clinical experience with other clinicians and help them connect with their patients. Because as we know, one of the biggest challenges in dental hygiene is getting our patients to say yes to the treatment that they very much so need. And it becomes so much easier for us to have those conversations with patients when we believe they truly need a product that we're presenting. Absolutely. And that that table clinic going that direction and, and selling it to myself basically allowed me to sell it to patients, which earned me some recognition and then from there I was asked to um, join the company as a full-time account manager which is where really um, my career truly ended up unfolding because I developed business acumen. I went from just knowing one through 30 teeth in the mouth to where I could very efficiently run an Excel spreadsheet and analyze the business and, you know, and just become, um, you know, transition my focus into more of a business role, which then opened up many, many more opportunities for me and um, where I am here today. Unbelievable. And listeners, we're holding back where she is today because... (laughs) It is phenomenal. I do want to ask you, when you started that role, because when you you first stated, when you were initially thinking of school, you thought about business, but you went into dental hygiene, and now you're offered this role to be an account manager with a pharmaceutical company where you have to then now take off the clinician hat and put on a business hat. Did you have any fear or were you were you concerned with being able to adapt in that environment? Like what pushed you through that 
that period where the fa- your your professional phase was almost changing. Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, anytime there's change, and the only thing I knew was being chair side as a clinician, there's some level of fear and anxiety. But I knew that I had to put my trust in myself, my ability to be successful, because I knew that I could influence my patients chair side. I believe that I could influence other clinicians to do the same thing with their patients. And that's where my success really came from is teaching them the ability to get past those financial barriers where patients say no to treatment. And, um, and it was, it was momentarily scary because I had to believe that I was going to be able to be influential over a large group of people. And they weren't necessarily clinically sold like I was because they hadn't gone through that process. But I took the leap of faith and it was the best thing that I've ever done for myself. Um, I'll be honest, I still miss picking up the scaler. So I would, you know, pick it up in my sister's office and throw my kids in the chair every chance I got. Um, (laughs) But after a while, when you get to see what an impact you can have, not just on the group of patients that you're seeing within your own dental hygiene practice, but see other hygienists also be able to influence their patients in such a positive manner that you really feel like you still are chair side. So that element is very much fulfilled for you. And it just comes down to believing in yourself, being confident in the things that you know that you're able to do and taking a risk at the end of the day. Yes, I was confident in myself, but there was no guarantee that I was going to be one of the top account managers. And when you're in sales, you know, it's very, it's a very cutthroat environment. If you don't make If you don't make your numbers, you're not going to be around for much longer. But because I had that credibility, because I had been chair side, I actually was one of the most successful account managers um, when compared to others that didn't have a clinical background. So Mm -hmm. just being able to draw back on the things that we know as clinicians Mm -hmm. and apply it to the outside world, outside of our our, um, operatory, you can be 10 fold more credible when you're talking to people. And I think that's the element that as hygienists, as listeners, you have to realize is, yeah, you are credible. You have created a patient in your lap and you know what the barriers are and you've likely heard all the pushbacks from the patients. And if you're one that's been able to rise above it, then somebody out there could benefit from your help in helping advance their business or their dental practice. Or you might be a value as a consultant um, somewhere or Um, you know, the possibilities are endless. Yes, yes, I love it. Oh my goodness, if I can jump for joy without messing up the recording, I would. Um, (laughs) Because I often say that for dental hygienists, um, and especially when I'm trying to really push the fact that we need to think beyond the prophy, and thinking beyond the prophy is not just uh, clinical, not just, I'm sorry, outside of clinical um, treatment. It could be in clinical. Um, And what I find is that most hygienists, they are beaten down mentally. They don't have that confidence and they don't realize that everything they have or the experiences that they can have are opportunities to put things in your toolbox. And you don't know at what point that particular experience could benefit you in the future. And I love the fact that you mentioned how this really has propelled you into the role that you have today. You also had the opportunity to work in academia, which I think is also very important because it also builds, in my opinion, from my experience, leadership skills. It allows you the opportunity to find ways to um, communicate more effectively, um, to get to understand 
health outcomes but also educational outcomes it helps you to think in a different way so how has that role served you and in your professional career um, I think that's a great question. First of all, I thoroughly enjoyed academia, whether it be um, didactic courses or clinical courses. I love the student interaction. Um, and I happen to think that dental hygiene students are some of the best, most eager students that there possibly can be. They're always prepared and a pleasure to work with. But how that's applied to my current role is it's really taught me to be patient when I'm communicating with my staff. Um, I come at my leadership skills with the approach of education and training as opposed to you know a heavy-handed approach which a lot of times can occur in the corporate setting so I think it's really um, taught me to be a, a teacher in my leadership role as opposed to just a manager in my leadership role and um, and I really love encouraging employees and hygienists and whoever else that I'm, I'm working with to go back to the basics with how they're taught in school because that will never fail you. Mm -hmm. The way you teach in school, the way Esther Wilkins has things spelled out for you will never fail you. When in doubt, always go back to what you were taught in school and it's something that I preach to and talk about all the time. And I think having that experience in my background, even as a leader today, helps me be able to bring my employees back to, okay, remember when you first started driving, where do you keep your hands? It's 10 and two, and then after a few years, you slack, and maybe there's bone loss in the radiograph, and we just choose to overlook it, mm -hmm. and go to that profi, so let's get back to 10 and two, and let's go back to what we were taught in school, and the AAP guidelines will never fail you, mm -hmm. and so it's, it kind of shapes my style as a leader um, because I do have that educa um, educator in my background. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I love how you mentioned that because it just made me think about the times where I've tempted and they'll, they'll ask me, are you a new graduate? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been a hygienist for 10 and um, with a, as an assistant, 15 years. But I like to, they normally say that because I still barrier <laughs> the way, not all the way like it is in school, but I'm very, very particular with my clinical notes and when I, and am I treating my patient? You know, there's certain things that I just don't cut corners with. And I love the fact that you mentioned that when you do serve as faculty, it just makes you appreciate that standard of practice. And that's what is challenging to keep up in place when you're practicing because of so many things that could be an obstacle, which is insurance or, the practice philosophy, all of that can can impact your standard of care. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my personal belief is, you know, we um, have taken an oath and we have to uphold our oath to our license. Absolutely. And, the, and the, the things that we learn in school absolutely need to apply today. I get that it's human nature. The 10th time the patient, you know, yells at you and says, no, I don't want that SRP. I just want what the insurance covers. It becomes intimidating for clinicians to do the right thing, but I always, always encourage, don't jeopardize the patient's care, don't jeopardize your own license, and always go back to how you were taught in school. Absolutely. So, listeners, I am speaking to the Senior Vice President of Dental Hygiene Operations. Say what? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, for Dental One Partners, I think it's absolutely amazing what you're doing. Um, many hygienists, though, don't understand what a DSO is. So before we get into your role that you currently have and what your responsibilities are, 
let listeners know what exactly is a DSO. A dental service organization is a DSO where basically um, one corporation either owns or um, manages a large subset of practices. Um, They're becoming more and more popular um, as practice management um, demands become stricter and insurance fee schedules go lower and marketing potentials become more difficult for private practices. A lot of times doctors are selling their dental practices to dental service organizations. So it's a concept and a model that will only grow from here. Uh, the 10 year forecast for this business is that it will only grow and there will be more and more presence of dental service organizations in the future. Wow, amazing, amazing. Now, why did you choose from your career and what you've done, why did you choose to work for a DSO and why would you say it's a good option or an excellent option for hygienists who want to think beyond the profi? So funny enough, I didn't always think that it was going to be the best option for me. I had my skepticism. I wasn't sure how I was going to like it. I was a private practicing hygienist when I practiced dental hygiene. I had my perceptions. I'd heard the stigma out there. Um, But I had an opportunity to join a different dental service organization about seven years ago as a director of dental hygiene. And the the folks that I interviewed with were very inspiring, extremely um, ethical, and they were talking the same clinical language that I like to speak and going back to the basics on how things are taught in school. And I said, you know what? Maybe I will give this opportunity a try because it sounds like, you know, they have a great chief clinical officer that I get along with. So I gave it a go and I came on board as um, director of dental hygiene. Well, little did I know that opportunity actually afforded me to grow into a senior vice president of not just the dental hygiene business, but I was managing seven um, lines of business at that dental service organization. And it ended up being one of the best experiences of my life to date where I really got to understand and appreciate the daily tasks that go into the operations and upholding um, many dental practices. I was overseeing 55 at the time. And um, and then from there, I just had an opportunity to um, move over to other dental service organizations because the niche is a very small niche. Knowing how to manage in this environment um, is becoming a, a broader um, scope for a lot of people, but currently speaking, it's a huge area of growth and opportunity because there are very few people like myself out there that have walked the line of you know the clinical practice, um, but also understand the business management side of things. Now, that said, there's so many opportunities and so many different ways to enter a dental service organization. For example, some, one of my regional hygiene directors that works here with me at Dental One um, Partners, I hired right out of USC. Um, she was a practicing hygienist for me in, in one of my practices. And then we elevated her to a training role. She was a trainer for a very short time. She did very, very well as a trainer. And then she became a regional director at that um, time and has since, you know, jumped ship and followed me as part of my team here. But the reason why I say that is because I don't want listeners to be discouraged. Just because you don't have the business acumen now does not mean you can't develop it in this environment. 
And what I never understood is even though I was comfortable and nobody was rocking the boat in my world, in my private practice, I wasn't growing. I wasn't having that best practice opportunity that we have here in dental service organizations. Mm -hmm. Some of our practices have three, four hygienists. Sometimes we have 26 practices within a 20, 30 mile radius. We have evening meetings, CE courses, conference calls. If you need support, if you need to talk about a case, it's just one phone call away. And that's the element that you really miss when you're not in a dental service organization. And especially one like Dental One Partners where the support structure is built in such that, you know, I'm not looking to do my job forever. Like um, I just mentioned earlier, I just came out of a much, much broader role than just overseeing dental hygiene. So my philosophy is I hire my replacements and my my um, direct reports hire their replacements. So there's constant growth in this environment. And like I said, because we do have a 10 year vision of dental service organizations being the main go to employment opportunities in this country, I think it's a really bright idea for us to as hygienists and clinicians to think about dental service organizations even at the practice level. Wow, I've got two things to say. First of all, I love the fact that you said hire my replacement. That's powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I've had so many conversations where people, um, where we've talked about you know, the new generation of people coming up and how sometimes as a new generation, we may feel like we're stepping on toes and that those who may be in a higher position are not really ready to bring us forward. So it's wonderful to hear that in a DSO, you have the opportunity to really grow and actually to be nurtured, um, which is which you don't find, like you said, in private practice, you tend to hit a ceiling and then that's it, which is why I feel like there's so much career dissatisfaction for many in our profession. Absolutely. I do want to just ask you um, and address the stigma that's associated with being a DSO. Why do you think that exists? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I think there's so many different levels of dental service organizations out there that I think listeners need to understand that if you do want to consider working for a dental service organization, you want to do your homework. You want to know who is at the helm of the company. Is the management team from a clinical background? I think those questions are really important to ask during the interview process. Sometimes dental service organizations have um, management teams that are not clinical, and so they might be focused and driving on things that us as clinicians may not feel are as important, um, you know, in day-to-day dental practice that they may as business people view as important. For us, I can just speak for ourselves and the way we operate here. Every single person on the management team, including our regional um, VPs of operations, have at least been in a dental practice. They understand patient interaction. They sympathize with the necessity of quality of care and patient retention and not overwhelming the schedule. Sometimes maybe a dental service organization might ask the clinician to see many, many patients and that might compromise quality. So do your homework. Not all dental service organizations are the same. I think it's really important to realize that dental service organizations are now understanding that if they're going to be eligible to attract quality clinicians and good talent, that they have to take a step back and um, reassess the way they do things. 
here at Dental One Partners, for example, we pride ourselves in, yes, we have the corporate structure, we have the support, we have the CE courses, we have cutting edge technology, all of that is in place but we also provide our clinicians clinical autonomy. So we're not we're not gonna tell you how to practice dentistry. Are we gonna look for five point assessments and make sure you know recession and clinical attachment loss, those things are um, accounted for? Absolutely, because that's a compliance item and we wanna make sure our clinicians are committed to excellence. That's without, without saying, but we're never gonna tell you how to do dentistry beyond that. We just wanna make sure that you're compliant in what AAP guidelines are and what the ADA standards are. Outside of that, you get to use you know, the materials you wanna use, the instruments you wanna use, um, and we have um, buying power, so we're able to negotiate really good fees for some really awesome brand names. So I think personally, you know, if I had to do things all over again and go back to clinical practice, hands down, I would do my homework and pick some of the best ones out there. Not to mention a lot of times private practices don't give um, hygienist benefits. Um, dental service organizations a lot of times are giving health benefits, dental benefits, vacation hours, um, 401k. So there's just a million and one reasons why all listeners should at least consider looking into what dental service organizations exist in their markets. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> all right. So what is a typical day like for you? Oh, it's busy. It's busy. So we have close to 170 practices. So, um, you know, what we do is we support the hiring process. So my team and I um, do a clinical interview with every single hygienist. And the things that we're looking for is making sure, you know, they can connect with patients, they're doing their assessments, that they're converting um, patients with disease and, you know, not engaging in supervised neglect. That's a huge no-no for me on, on my list. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, so we go, we do run through the, all of that. Um, but also, you know, my personal role in the organization is making sure that my team has access to the best technology, the best advancements out there. So I'm constantly doing research. I'm meeting with vendors. I'm seeing what else we can do to broaden our scope of practice in the dental, in the dental practices um, and just really making sure that the support system is there for our teams, you know, from an operation standpoint, if the practices are slow, we're providing marketing. Um, so it's my job and my teams, my regional hygiene directors roles to make sure that our hygienist is as happy and as successful as they can be and as and our patients are receiving the best care that they um, possibly can be receiving. So, you know, in a nutshell, <laughs> I know it's, it sounds like a summary here, but it is, it's busy. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot that factors into that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with the roles that you've had, how have you developed, because with any role that you have, especially when you are thinking beyond the profi and you are trying things outside of clinical care, how did you prepare your mindset, uh, maintaining joy as much as possible? How did you prepare your mindset for the various roles that you've experienced so far in your career? You know, even before I get to the role that I'm going into, I'm pre preparing for it. So for example, when I was in my director of hygiene role, in the former dental service organization, 
um, I would look at the other senior VP that was overseeing the entire business and thinking, I really like the way they do this. And they're getting results by interacting this way with the employees. And if I were them, these are the things I would do differently. So even though I wasn't in the role, I was always preparing myself for the role. And even here in this environment, I'm always coaching my teams to think, you say think beyond the profi, and that's exactly the right phrase for it. What else can they do? Where can they see themselves? And sometimes the answer may be, you know what, Ellie, I like patient care. I just want to be here and stay here. But I still want to encourage them and challenge them to think, you know what, God forbid, tomorrow you don't know what's going to happen. You can't pick up that scaler anymore. What would you do different? What would what opportunity would interest you? And so um, I think, you know, for the listeners, just keeping an open mind and not thinking, oh, my gosh, no, I have to. I'm stuck to this chair for the rest of my career and really begin to think, you know what? I think I could do Ellie's job and she's done it and she's prepped for it. I wonder how she's prepped for it and just get your mindset ready for that moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, um, with women, we're multidimensional and most listeners know that I co-host the Mom Jenna's podcast, and I do want to add in here briefly that not only have you had this wonderful professional career, you're also raising children. And so what would you say to a listener that may be in a situation where they are parents, they may be a single parent, what advice would you give them in maintaining that career satisfaction? while handling that role, which can be challenging by itself, but especially if someone is doing it as a single parent? Great question, because I am a single parent. As a matter of fact, when I transitioned into my role with a former dental service organization, I was going, I was amidst of a divorce, and so it was one of the most difficult moments in my life. But I, the, the advice I would give is, it's, there's never going to be a better time. You can always think it's just busy right now. It's it's going to get better in the future. I can tell you from personal experience, my daughter is about to turn 10. My son is 11. And over the last the course of seven years, it's only gotten busier. So do it now. Make that decision now. And what better reason than your children to be that role model for my daughter? It just warms my heart because she does see me work hard and she does see that I can stand up on my own two feet and provide a very comfortable life for myself and the two of them. And that every day is my inspiration and my motivation to do the things that I do. Oh, I love it. And little girls need to see that, especially, especially. I have two little girls myself, eight and six. It's so, fun ages, fun yes. ages. Yep, I just interviewed the oldest one. I think episode like 41 or 42. So she actually wants to be a dental hygienist, which I find, it's cute. <laughs> Hearing That's her awesome. Say that. All right. Awesome. <laughs> All right, here's the last question that I have for you, because I try to keep the episode short, especially for most hygienists. We tend to, we're busy. We're busy, 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 busy. And like you mentioned earlier, you said networking is important, asking people how they ha- have gotten to where they are. And that's essentially what this podcast is, especially for those that aren't able to make it to every single event and meet amazing individuals like yourself. So tell me, in your professional career, what was the best career advice you've ever received? Hmm. Good question. I would say that it was early on in my career, even before dental hygiene, I was working as a dental assistant in a private practice with a consultant. 
And he taught me to not be afraid to have difficult conversations with patients. He said, there's going to be every single kind of human out there. Most will hopefully love you. Some are just not going to like you no matter what you do. You stick to your ethics, you stick to your guns, and you do what's right, and you always present the correct information to the patient. And I have done that my entire career, and it has really paid off for me. Wonderful. I love that. I think that is a hurdle that I am still working through. It's a skill that you have to gain. And each conversation that you have, you, you slowly but surely get better, better with it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Um, I told you that was the last question, but I just thought of another one that I have to ask you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite leadership book? Mm. That's my you dog, got- by the way, listeners. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I don't know what is going on. <laughs> I would say a really good basic to start for most listeners would be Minute Manager. That That's an easy read. It's a good place to start, but... Um, you know, I don't know if it, it's a favorite, but I think for most people, it's very applicable. Okay, and your favorite personal development book? Let's see. You're asking me. <laughs> you're asking me the tough questions here. <laughs> <laughs> well, my life revolves around business, so I would say the culture of success. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's a really really good book um, where it talks about. Um, you know, everybody plays a role in success and success starts with leaving your problems at the door when you walk into the practice and walking in with a positive attitude. The attitude of when you're in the practice, you're on stage, essentially just like, you know, the Disney cast members are huge about being on stage when they're at work and that really applies to what we do in the dental practice because not only are we on stage for our patients, but we're also on stage for one another and our teammates because if one person comes into a practice with a negative attitude or is a naysayer, it can just kill the vibe for the whole practice and it really takes that team cultural success in order to drive the things that we want to drive at the practice level. Oh my goodness, yes. It can be a poison and some people let them stay for too long. (laughs) Too long. Well, you have to love what you do. And if you don't, you know, listeners, I think it's it's important to look for the next opportunity. You know, you yes. shouldn't have to wait, wait for somebody to tell you to leave. If you're not happy, then go pursue happiness because this life is just too short to do anything otherwise. Yes, that was a final close. That was a great close right there. <laughs> change, thank change, you so change. much. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and I yes. really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope I've inspired someone today, and I'm, I'm always available. I'm on LinkedIn. I love it when young hygienists email me and say, how can I do what you've done? I have a ton of tips for you, and And obviously, I also have a lot of employment opportunities. We're hiring in 13 states. I would love the opportunity to speak to anybody that is open to it. So LinkedIn will be a great contact for you? Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone, she's on LinkedIn. I will have her link to her profile in the show notes. I'm so honored to have this opportunity to speak to you. I know you're very, very busy, but I can't wait to share this episode with everyone. I am certainly inspired, and I know that it would definitely motivate others as well. So thank you again. 
Thank you, Jasmine. Have a great, great evening. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.